If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn me to 1 John chapter 2 today, 1 John chapter 2, we're in this series on chasing carrots. And, uh, and, and we're talking about the stuff that we chase, the things that we go after in this world. And today I want to talk about comfort. Now, I know that's not really fair because we just got done with Thanksgiving. Some of you are wearing like really comfortable pants, like because you had to expand it a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we know who you are. And uh, it's okay, man. It's okay. But, but we're, we're, we're going to talk about chasing comfort today. As human beings, one of the things that we love is we love comfort. And, and the older we get, or the longer, even, even as we're serving Christ, the longer that we serve Jesus, the, the more comfortable, if we're not careful, we become. And, and um, I have a, a friend of mine who, um, man, like, it's just like really gone to pot. Like he doesn't even like, like really like worry about how he looks anymore. He doesn't worry about how he dresses anymore. Uh, we travel on some trips together and he's got a fanny pack and not because it's cool, but because it's like convenient. And his clothes, everything, we were, we were speaking at a church in, uh, in Vietnam and I'm on the front row and I am looking at him and he is wearing sweatpants. This is no joke because you have to pack all this stuff and you're in these different climates and stuff. But he has put a crease in his Adidas sweatpants. So it's Adidas up here, but it's a crease all the way down. I mean, he's ironed those suckers. Like you could cut yourself if you kind of, and I'm like, he's wearing sweatpants. It has come to this. So afterwards I was like, bro, he goes, oh man, I gave up fashion a long time ago. This is all about comfort. This is all, he said, those people didn't know. Nobody knew. You didn't know that you were sitting there on the front row and realized I'm wearing the sweatpants. And guess what, man, I'm going to flip them out and I'm going to wear them again tomorrow. I'm like, something is wrong. We, we just, we, we chase comfort if we're not careful. Uh, we even have a whole food group called Comfort Food. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not going to speak against preach against food. Don't, don't get all animated. But I mean, like there are just days like for me where I grew up in the South, I, everything was made with meat grease, right? So it's all about, I know it's gross to some of you people, but like when Tammy and I got married, there was a Folgers can in the refrigerator with baking drippings, meat grease from that. Cause that's what you do. You fry up the bacon, you pour it in there. Cause that goes into green beans. That goes into cauliflower. I mean, the collard greens that goes, anybody can I get a witness cornbread, some ham hocks and brown beans. Sweet Jesus. I mean, I'm just telling you, it's always raised. And Tammy's like, what is this? I said, girl, that's my bacon drippings. That's, a, that's my meat grease. And she goes, that's going into the trash because that is disgusting. And I was like, no, that is good. That is how you, that's the secret of Southern cooking. It's a little, it's meat grease and it's a little bit of sugar and everything. And she said, I want you to look at this. This is what your arteries are going to look like if you keep eating like this. I said, you're going to go some way. I'm going to go happy, <laughs> you know. Like, I mean, we just, everything. I mean, think about it. How, our, our homes, it's about comfort. It, it's not that you need that much space. And again, I'm not beating up on you, just, but just, right, it's, it's comfort. It's comfortable. It's our houses. It's, it's comfortable. Uh, dishwashers, you know, whether it's human or it's automatic, it's about comfort. No, ladies, don't get mad at me, right? You need to send that man into there to do the dishes. Can I get a witness? Amen. All right, good. All I'm saying is, is this. Is comfort wrong? No. We, we talked about last weekend, First Timothy talks about this, that God has made all these things for our pleasure and for our good and for our benefit. Nothing wrong with that. But there is something wrong when it becomes the end result, the focus, the pursuit of what we want to do in life. I just want to be comfortable. Because here's the reality. I heard this said a long time ago, 
And it's so true that a calm sea never made a skillful sailor. Struggle produces strength in your life. It's struggle that produces strength in your relationship with Christ. Think about it. It's when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death and you fear no evil because God is with you. That's when you've really learned to lean on Jesus. When, 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 you, when, when you go through the valleys, when you go through the difficult times, when you go through the times where, where, the, where you just feel so alone, but yet God is there and God sustains you and God helps you through it. It's in those moments and it's in those times that you began to go, man, it's that struggle that I went through that God showed up that makes my relationship with Christ so much more vibrant. It's when, 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 you, when you think about the struggle that you went through in coming to faith in Jesus Christ and you just saying that amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Do you know the reason why people respond to that song so greatly? Because of this, they all remember where they were before they came to faith in Jesus. They remember the struggle and now they remember the salvation and now they know the hope that they have. That only happens when you go through struggle. That doesn't happen out of comfort. It happens out of struggle. Great marriages. Great marriages are not built because things are easy. Great marriages are built because there has been a struggle. And some of you need to hear that. Great relationships are not built through the easy times. They're built through the tough times. I heard, I heard a guy say one, one time about, about his marriage. He goes, this thing is killing me. And the truth of the matter is it's supposed to. It's supposed to come to the end of you and the beginning of you and her together forever. The two become one. And the only way the two can become one is if the two die and the one emerges. That's how it works. So, so we live in a world that says, yeah, but what about my needs? And what about my happiness? And what about, that's the problem. The, the, the problem is, is that it's the comfort. It's about me. It's about my, it's about I. You know that country song, Toby Keith, I think, sings it. What about me? What about my, let's, let's talk about me, right? I mean, that's the whole thing. We live in a world where it's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's my way right away now. And I love a Whopper at Burger King, so I'm not hating on Burger King, but that's their slogan. And, but that's how we live life. And I'm just telling you that nothing great comes out of just living a life of comfort. What is great in the life of a Christ follower, it's when we take up our cross and we crucify ourselves and we follow Jesus. I must decrease so he can increase. That's not comfortable. That's what it means to be a Christian. And so how do we do that? What happens in that process? 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. This is how you do it. Do not love the world or anything in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Verse 16. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. Verse 17. For the world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now you may say, hey, 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 I thought, like, where happened to John 3, 16? For God so loved the world. I'm glad you asked that question. The world... And the original, the New Testament's written in the language, in the Greek language. So in the Greek, in the original language, is the word cosmos. It appears around 200 times in the New Testament. The thing about the word cosmos is it can have different meanings based upon the context in which it's, it's in. There's three basic meanings of, of this word cosmos in, in the Greek. So one is universe. So when it's referring to more of a galactic type of a sense of the world being universal, being a part of the galaxy, being a part of that. 
The second use is earth. So speaking of earth, its inhabitants, the physical place, the physical science, the biological makeup of the earth. The third use of this Greek word cosmos, world, is when it's referring to sinful man and the ungodly systems of the world, of the earth. It's, it's referring to sin and ungodly systems. In John chapter 3, verse 16, it's speaking of the earth in context that God so loved the world, that God so loved the inhabitants, God so loved everything that he gave. And 1 John chapter 2 that we're reading today it's not speaking in reference of the universe in a galactic sense. It's not speaking in reference of the earth, of his inhabitants in a physical sense. Rather, it is speaking of the sinful nature of man and the ungodly systems that reside on this planet called earth and the world in which we live in. And so, so there is this, this, this going on, this sinful nature, that, that there is this, this tension that's here, again, that fights for our comfort and against what God wants to do in our life. Because if, if it's true that a calm sea never made a skillful sailor, then the only way I'm going to grow is going to be going through seasons of discomfort. That, 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 that comfort is not going to be something that I need to seek exclusively or pre predominantly, but rather I need to seek God's will, God's desire for my life, God's place in my life. And even though it may go against my flesh, this fallen sinful nature, I've got to reduce this fallen sinful nature. I've got to decrease so that he can increase. Now, here's what you have to understand too. People view life in one of two ways. And I don't mean to get heady or uber philosophical here, but, but it's, it's either we are born into a sin nature, which is what I believe, because Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered into the world, according to Genesis chapter two, Genesis chapter three. And so therefore, the world in which we live in, everything is a bit wonky. It's a bit off kilter uh, because, because, again, sin is entered into the world. And so through Adam, through Eve, sin entered into, into the human race. And until God rectifies all of this in the end, we're going to be battling with this. So Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 8, Paul talks to the church in Rome about the struggles that take place. The things that I don't want to do, I do. The things that I do want to do, I don't do. There's this battle between the spirit, God, and between the flesh, which is my own comfort, what I seek, my own desire, my own pleasure, what makes me feel good in the moment. And so if you believe that, no, everybody's inherently good, this world just corrupts us, then, then again, I, I don't believe that because, again, I, I, I look, if you believe that, let me take you to the two-year-old nursery right now, and I can just show you the favorite word there is mine. It, it's not something that they're taught. It's something that they, they learn. It's about me. It's about what I want. Uh, when a baby's hungry, the baby cries. When the, when the baby is fussy, the baby, the baby gets upset. You know, don't put baby in a corner. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I mean, it's just like the kids just, they get this. Why? Because this is the nature. We're created. It's about me. It's the reason why God says to love your neighbor as you love the Lord. No, as you love yourself. Because you will love no one else more in this world than you love you. It's true. And so, so, so there is this conflict. There is this, there is this desire for comfort and for the systems of this world and my flesh. But there is this, as a Christ follower, there is this will of the Father. And these two are opposite from one another. And so, 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 high, so when, 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 when the author is writing here in, in 1 John chapter 2, it just makes some real simple declarative statements that are much easier to read than they are to live out. But the truth of the matter is, this is how you choose to kill the chasing of comfort 
the chasing of the carrot of comfort in your life is by applying this passage. So give me give you a couple thoughts on this passage that will kind of help as we frame this. And, and you, this is for you to kind of unload and unpack in your own life. The first thought is that chasing comfort reveals spiritual emptiness. The chasing comfort reveals spiritual emptiness. Go back to verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. So again, this world system, lust of the flesh, pride of life, we're born into this sinful nature, so therefore we've got a certain, it's like the alignment of our car, of our life, kind of always wants to drift towards me and my and I and what I want and my way right away, and it's comfort. This is what's interesting to me is that when Jesus leaves the Holy Spirit, when he ascends to the Father, he leaves the Holy Spirit, and he said he will be called the comforter. Many times God wants to comfort us in our life, but we choose to up, kind of push the Holy Spirit, kind of give the Holy Spirit a Heisman. God, has, God knows that we need comforting. We need comfort in our life. But yet what happens is when we do it our way, we do it the world's way, we, we push the Holy Spirit out. When God's given us the Holy Spirit to comfort us, what does that mean? That means in times of loneliness, in times of depression, in times of, of weariness, in times of frustration, that the Holy Spirit is there so that we're not alone. Because being alone is probably the most scary thought of anything. Even when you want to be alone, you still want to know that someone is there, that there's still a lifeline that's there. And so God's provided that. But, but in our own self, if we're not careful, what we try to do is replace the Holy Spirit with the drug of choice or with an activity of choice, or with another person, or another relationship, when God said, no, 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 let, 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 let me come in. Because what we know is that that drug or that choice that you're making is so temporal. Though Everything in the world is temporary. But what God does is eternal. And so if you choose it God's way, it's not only is it healthy for you today, but it's also healthy for you in the sweet by and by. Because verse 17 says that it lives forever that God's ways live forever, but this world's ways are temporary. That's the reason why you can go to something and it, you come up empty and you need more and you need more and you need more and you need new and you need more arousal. You need more stimulation. You need what, be, what because there is this, I can't get that same dopamine drip that I got before. I can't get that same high that I got before. I can't get that same whatever. And so all of a sudden I'm law, I'm just kind of left with me. And so the, 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 the world system of, of chasing the lust of the flesh, whatever seems good to your eyes, the pride of life, whatever makes you feel good about you, going after those things is opposite of how God does things. So do you need comfort? Yes, but not through the lust of the flesh and pride of life through the world system. You need it through Christ. And if you read the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see what the Bible says. Jesus says, look, if you want to follow me, if you want to be a Christian, you must deny yourself. Interesting. Before you accept Christ, you deny yourself. Before you accept the Trinity of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, before you take Holy Communion, before you, you, you receive any of the sacerdotal duties of the church, right? but, but, but before you get water baptized, you gotta deny you. Why? Because you are gonna be your biggest problem. You know who the biggest sinner in this room is? Me. Because I know me. I know me in a way that you don't know me. And you know you in a way that you don't know, that you know you. And you know when you're fudging the corners. You know when you're playing games. You know when you're giving God the Heisman. I may not know. Your spouse may not know. Your kids may not know. Your parents may not know. 
At some point in time, that which isn't, isn't forgiven is not going to be forgotten. It'll be on the screen. But the reality is, is, that, is that what happens in those contexts of all of that is that, is that I, I, I kind of just kind of do what I want to do, kind of be what I want to be, just kind of go. And, and so what happens is, is, is I'm trying to, to do this. And so Jesus said, you got to deny yourself. You got to take up your cross. Not my cross, not Aaron's cross, not Tammy's cross, your cross. Because every one of us have a cross to bear. Oh, we all want to wear the crown one day. But we've got to, in order to wear the crown, you've got to be willing to bear the cross. Amen. That'll preach way better than you're shouting. That's true in any part of life. It's called grit. You've got to have a drive and a want to and something that gets you up in the morning and puts you to bed at night. It's a purpose. Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate. And when he asked him, are you the son of God? Are you the king of the Jews? He said, for this purpose, I was born. You've got to know what is your for this purpose I'm born because when you know what you're for your purpose, it doesn't matter what man says. It doesn't matter whose tribunal tribe you're in front of. It doesn't matter what happens or what court you're standing in front of. You know, you've got to take up your cross, deny yourself and follow Jesus. That's not a comfortable, easy way because he says, if you want to be first, you got to be first, be last. If you want to be served, we all want to be served. You've got to be willing to serve first. If you, if you, if you, <laughs> if you want to be the, the head, then you got to first be willing to be the tail. You, 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 it's opposite. Everything is the upside down opposite. And so what we read here in, in verse 15 is that if I love this world and I'm chasing the comfort of this world, I cannot pursue God at the same time. They're mutually exclusive. I cannot chase God and dot, dot, dot. You fill in the blank. No. You don't have the ability to do that. You live life for the audience of one. I don't know. Maybe I can choose God and career. No, 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 you can't. Man, choose God and she is really beautiful, Pastor. I mean, really, can I not chase her for a while? No, no, no. Just keep your eyes on. Why? Because the Bible says to keep your eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Matthew six thirty three. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things shall be added unto you. When you keep your eyes on Jesus, he'll bring these other things. I got things in my heart and my life I want to do. So do I. Who put them there? The Lord. But if you keep your eyes on him, this stuff will come together. But you and I are not smart enough, good enough, or fast enough to make it happen. So when I'm chasing things of this world, when I'm chasing the pride of life, when I'm chasing the lust of the flesh, when I'm doing just what's good for me, guess what? I'm not pursuing God anymore. I'm pursuing my own comfort. Secondly, chasing comfort is driven by selfish desires. What drives it is self. It's selfish desires. Look at verse 16. For everything in this world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, it's all about you. It's all about you being number one. And comfort occurs through our pursuit of what we want. Lust is a desire for that which we want, but we don't need. Lust is a desire for that which is evil. Lust is a desire for that which is bad. Lust is a desire for, 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 for that, that that is really basically on the contraband list. It's like when I was in Jerusalem a couple of years ago and I was craving a bacon double cheeseburger. 
uh, oh my, oh, I was craving it. And um, because, every, you know, everything's kosher and you can't, you know, pork and the whole deal and whatever. So I'm just, and so I go to the, to the we're at this hotel and I, I go to the guy at the front. And I just say, hey man, can I, do you know anywhere in town I get a bacon dip a cheeseburger? And he goes, do you want kosher or do you want non-kosher? And he said non-kosher, like, this is really bad. And I went, I want the bad stuff, non-kosher. He said, he smiled really big, and he gave me the address and gave it to the, to the cab. And 35 bucks later, the most expensive cheeseburger I ever bought in my life. But, man, it was all worth it because I was so tired of having falafel. Oh, dear Jesus. And so, anyhow, so, but... And that's the truth, is, is, is what happens is, is that if, 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 when we chase comfort, we're chasing our own selfish desires. It's, do you want what's good for you? Do you want what's not good for you? Listen, God's not going to keep you from pursuing the things that aren't good for you. You know who's going to put the brakes on that? You. You know who's going to monitor you? You. You know who's going to regulate you? You. The most difficult person to lead is not uh, some client. It's, it's not leading, leading somebody in the C-suite that's above you. It's not leading some managerial team. It's not leading a team of administrative or direct, direct reports. It's you. You are the most difficult person to lead in your world. Because you know, man, you, you know when you're doing it right and you know when you're not. You know when you're winging it and you know when you're prepped. You know when you're in the zone and you know when you're just out there. And you may be able just to kind of go 25, 35, 40%, maybe 60% and, and, and kind of leave a little left on the margin. And, and it's better than what everybody else can do. And it's not that you're so great. You're just kind of the tallest dwarf. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you're just taller than everybody else, but everybody's really not that tall. And you're really not that amazing. You're just better than everybody else. You're not really having to outrun your opponent. You're just outrunning the next guy next to you. And what you're doing is, is you're cheating yourself. You are, but eventually, eventually, that comes back to bite you. Because what's driving that? Because if you keep your eyes on Jesus, if you look at his example, man, it's to run the race, as Paul would say. It's to fight the fight. It's, and, and Paul says, when you run this race called life, don't just run it to get a ribbon. Don't just run it for every participation. Run it to win. Run this race to win. Do what you do to win. Do what you do to win. Whether in your life, what are you doing to help grow and develop you? What are you doing to help grow and develop yourself and what God's called you to do? How are you growing and developing? I'll never forget the, 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 the Dean of Theology at Oral Roberts University. Dr. Matthew says, do you know what the difference between a butcher and a surgeon is? education. They do the same thing, but one does it with precision and accuracy. The other one just butchers and bludgeons it to death. And he looked at us as seminary students and he said, how do you want to rightly divide the word of truth? With surgical precision or do you just want to butcher it? The difference is education. Hey, I'm telling you, there are decisions in our life that's about what does God want? What is he asking? And it's the opposite of comfort that's driven by selfish desires. Verse 17, the third thing here is that the chasing comfort will never satisfy. This is the brute reality. Chasing comfort will never satisfy you. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of the Lord lives forever. Just remember this, comfort is temporary. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. Whatever that is, Here today, gone tomorrow. It's a fleeting moment. 
You talk to people that are highly disciplined in what they do or in their life or life choices. You ask them, are you tempted? And they'll say, oh, absolutely. Well, how do you overcome the temptation? They say, I win the moments. I just win the moment. It's going to happen. Temptations happen to all of us. It happened to Jesus. Jesus was tempted. So how do you win the moment? You make sure that you're prepared and you win the moment. You get through the moment. Whatever, the, whatever that thing is, whatever that thing that, that entices you, whatever that thing that tempts you, you just win that moment. Oh, you, you try to set things up ahead of time. You try to make sure that you're prepared, but you just try to win the moment because the comfort is temporary. It's like that piece of chocolate pie. Yes, in the moment, that's what you want. But the how you feel afterwards is like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. But, but, but in the moment, it feels so good and so indulgent. So what do I have to, I just have to win that moment that when that temptation for whatever that is, in this case, a piece of chocolate pie, whenever that, that, that temptation emerges, I'm able to, to, to win the moment and say no in the moment and get beyond it. And then guess what happens? That temptation lifts. Because I'm not gonna just choose to follow my own comfort my own whatever. See, this message is not a message that's being written for people that are outside the church. It's for people that are inside the church. Because what happens in our lives is the longer that we follow Jesus is that we become comfortable. It's kind of like a good pair of shoes or a great pair of jeans. They're just comfortable, man. It just fits right. It just works. It's like, I don't want to get rid of those gloves. They're great. Like I've got a pair of Coles leather gloves that I've had for, I don't know how long. I've got two new pair in the, in, in my closet uh, that have been given to me, but I've got these pair of gloves. I think I paid 10 or 12 bucks for, and they're just great. They just fit. I just don't, you know, I just don't want to wear, it's because it just fits. And if we're not careful, what happens in our life is we just seek comfort because it's just comfortable. It's just easy. It just, it just fits. It just works. Instead of saying, no, I'm going to choose to do it God's way. James chapter four, verse four says, don't you know that friendship with the world, the same usage of the word world is in, is in second, is in first uh, John chapter two, makes you an enemy of God. Don't you know that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? What is the comfort that you're seeking today? What is the thing that you're trying to ease in your life? I would tell you, don't eradicate the tension. Don't abdicate the tension. Don't act like it doesn't exist. Deal with reality, define reality. This is gonna be a difficult season. This is gonna be a difficult time. This is gonna be a difficult moment. This is gonna be a mountain. I've created an issue. I've sinned. I've made a mistake. I've got to rebuild this wall. I've got to rebuild this marriage. I've got to rebuild this relationship. I've got to, but don't act like it doesn't exist. Don't numb yourself to comfort yourself in that moment to say, I'll just deal with it tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. No, today. The Bible says, why put off to tomorrow what you have the ability to do today? I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in the messiness of this moment today. I'm gonna get in the distraction of this today. I'm gonna get in this in this moment today. And I'm just going to not try to eradicate the tension, not try to abdicate the tension, not try to ignore the tension, 
but rather go sit in the middle of this. God, let me decrease and let you increase. God, let me deny myself and take up my cross and follow you, Jesus. Let me quit seeking my own comfort and what's good and easy for me and let me keep my eyes upon you. God, I'm okay. I don't like it, but I'm okay to struggle for a while because struggle is what produces strength. You will never have an overcoming Christian life if you don't have struggles in your faith, if you don't have struggles in your life, if you don't have struggles in what goes on. It's part of what, it's part of what knocks off their edges. It's part of what refines us. It's part of what develops us. We're not perfect. You're not perfect. Not perfect. We're never created to be. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you, you're just not going to be perfect. But keep your eyes on Jesus, who is. Let him set the pace, who is. And push your comfort aside. And what happens is, the reason why I'm saying this is because all the things that you want to accomplish, all the desires of your heart, God's given you. But this world will lie to you and tell you that you can short circuit the system, that you can shortcut the system, that you can get what you want if you'll just do this. And it's a lie. It's like that piece of chocolate pie. It's never going to satisfy. You know, it's like a Krispy Kreme donut. You can't just have one. You know what I'm talking about? You're going to have another and another. Trust me. Trust me. And six, and it goes to 12 and a gallon of milk. And then, oh, dear Jesus. You know, I mean, it just happens. It's not just one drink. It's not just one conversation. It's not just. It's a lie. And God says, no, 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 you're wanting happiness. I know what you want. Just do it this way, which seems counterintuitive, which, which ruffles. But the reason why it seems counterintuitive is because your flesh wants something that's temporary, but your spirit that's been redeemed inside of you wants something that's going to last forever. And the way to get that is not through comfort. It's really through conviction. As the Holy Spirit begins to speak in your heart, and lead and guide you and direct you. Yeah, I need to get rid of this. Yeah, I need to stop doing that. Yeah, I need to watch myself here. Yeah, I need to watch that relationship. You know, I really need to submit myself to authority in this situation. I, I, I need to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm alone out here and I need to make sure I've got some covering and some friends and quit seeking your comfort and seek his will. And what happens is the things that you're looking for, they'll all come around. And the things that are temporal, that are just kind of a just a hoax. They, they look like they're real, but they're not. It's kind of like going to Hollywood and looking at a, at a movie set. It looks real, but it's not. It looks like it's, you're in Brooklyn, but you're not. It looks like you're somewhere in, in Asia, but you're not. It's just a set. It's just, it's just a design. It's just painted with lights and with, and with cameras to make it look real. But the reality is it's fake. It's just a wall. It's just a wall. It's like Truman Show. It's you get to the end and you realize you've been living your whole life on this set. You've been living your whole life in this, in this, this deal that's not real. That's what this world wants to do is say, no, no, it's this and it's that and it's this and it's that. And your marriage can be great if you go here and it'll be good if you do this. And if you buy this car, you'll have this kind of lifestyle. And if you do this, you'll, and it's all, I don't mean to be mean, but it's all just a big kind of a sham. But this way over here, the Bible says, wide is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life. There's this small path that's rugged and that's difficult and that's not easy, that's uncomfortable, 
that's challenging, that seems like, no, really what I want is a big paved road. But the reality is, is the way to get where you want to isn't that paved road. It's that narrow road. It's that winding road. It's that difficult road that's counterintuitive to your own intellect and into the, that's uncomfortable, that really leads to the life that you want. So I just wanna encourage you today, ask yourself, am I chasing a carrot of comfort? Am I doing what I'm doing because it's just about me, the pride of life, the lust of my flesh? Am I giving God a Heisman? Am I acting like tension doesn't exist? Or am I being honest with myself and honest with my feelings and honest with my emotions and honest with my God, with Jesus? Father, I just thank you today for your word that's so simple, so powerful, so much easier to preach and to read than it is sometimes to live. But it's the way to life. And I just pray, help us today to live this out. Holy Spirit, the comforter, comfort us today in a way that this world can't. Convict us in areas where we're choosing to push God aside and fill our own hearts with comfort. Help us today to follow you, Jesus, all the days of our lives, to live a life for you. In Jesus' name, amen.